following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Good morning. A couple quick questions for you. I'm going to get crowd participation out of the, the way right here at the beginning, okay? So everybody, a couple quick questions. I want you to shout the answer real loud if you know it. Be, be bold, man. These aren't trick questions, okay? Love City, what is seven plus three? Yeah. What's five times two? Yeah. Now this is for the, the big brains. This is for the, the mathletes among us. What is the square root of 100? It's 10, man. This is our 10-year anniversary celebration today. Amen. And you guys are all excellent at math. I'm really impressed. Smart bunch. We are celebrating 10 years of God's incredible faithfulness in calling Love City Church into existence and then sustaining us by his uh, marvelous grace. If you don't know this, uh, I'm Pastor Vince. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, this is going to be a, a much different service than normal. If today is your first time, uh, this would not be an accurate sampling of what an average Sunday would look like, but we're glad that you're here uh, to celebrate with us today. Uh, if you would turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, we're going to be in chapter 27, looking at verses 1 through 7. Uh, what we're doing today is, t- is taking time to remember and to celebrate what God has done in, with, and through Love City Church. I think it's right for me to be uh, fully transparent. So this is full honesty time. You guys ready for this? Seth's ready for it. Anybody else ready for full transparency time? Thanks, man. Brother, I'm glad you sit where you sit. You're the man. If it were only up to me, only up to me, we probably wouldn't be doing this today. Let me explain. I questioned, as we talked about this, the need and even the fruitfulness of doing any kind of celebration or commemoration at this 10-year milestone. Uh, It was actually other leaders here at the church that persisted in bringing it up and, and pushed back on my utilitarian and sometimes dense view of things. I'm wondering if any of you can can join me and not leave me out here hanging in this experience. Have you ever experienced God's gracious goodness to you in the form of him letting you know that you're wrong? Glory! I was wrong. And, And let me... This is, you know, I'm fine with that statement on its face, but let me, just in case you don't know me that well, I'm not as curmudgeon as maybe I'm making it sound, but I am very mission-minded. And so when I'm, you know, we're talking about this in November of last year, we started talking about it, right? Because really, January would mark the official kind of technical 10-year mark, but January's cold, and we, if we were going to do anything, we knew we maybe wanted to do something outside, so, you know... Outside activities in January in Cincinnati normally go over like a lead balloon, so that's not going to probably be a good plan. 
But, you know, even as we started talking about it, my thought process was like, okay, you know, like who needs a party, man? Like there's a world full of people out here who don't yet know how good Jesus is, man. Like the the job's not done, right? So that's kind of where I'm at. Just so if you don't know me that well, you're getting to know me. But almost immediately when I realized that if, if other leaders thought it was right and important to take time to remember and, and celebrate God's faithfulness to us over the last 10 years, then, then maybe I was being daft. And I was. And, and immediately as I opened up to that possibility, as I humbled myself about it, the Lord began to point me to the building of altars and the festivals, the festivals that he instituted for his people to remember his goodness and faithfulness and deliverance. So God ended up reminding me that he likes parties with a purpose, and I better get with the program. So today is a party with a purpose. And I am, at this point, genuinely excited about it. Uh, For the last several weeks, the, the Lord has been dealing with me to see Today, like, like many occasions in redemptive history where he commanded altars to be built, and in doing that, in studying those occasions, I, I've stumbled, stumbled upon something really cool that I, I'd like to show you, um, and I think it, it fits very squarely with what we're doing today. So we're in Deuteronomy 27, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Basically, Moses just got done preaching a sermon here about we're going into the promised land, and this is how we're going to act, okay? And so now in 27, it's, okay, here's what you're going to do. And, and he goes ahead and, and Jameses everybody and says, basically, now do it. <laughs> this, is, this is where he's at in, in chapter 27 of Deuteronomy. Then Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people, saying, keep all the commandments which I command you today. You guys know about us that we don't just need to be told what the commandments are. Someone needs to also remind us, oh, we want you to actually do those. Right? Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. Amen. So, it shall be on the day when you cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with lime. That's basically just paint of the day, right? So make them bright. And then write on them all the words of the law. When you cross over, so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. So it shall be when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones, as I am commanding you today, and you shall coat them with lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stone, and you shall not wield an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, And you shall offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. I want us to really remember verses 6 and 7. This idea that God told them, build this altar out of uncut stones. Right? Don't put put your iron tools on these. These are uncut stones. That's going to be important as we move through the rest of the day. So remember verse six and seven. Now, part of the point of this altar was to cultivate gratitude in the people of God as it reminded them of where they had been and where the Lord had brought them to. You heard reference here in these first seven verses to the original promise to Abraham that this day was coming, 
that one day, this little tribe of people that God was calling out for his purpose, that God was going to give them a land, and, and we're coming up to the fulfillment of the promise, and God says, as soon as you cross the Jordan, that's the boundary line between where we've been and then walking into the full realization of the promise of God in the promised land, okay? So this altar's meant to remind them where they've been, where the Lord's brought them to, and that's part of what we're doing today. This church, Love City Church, started with 10 people in Mike and Trish Taylor's living room. Amen. Are they in here or serving somewhere? Mike and Trish in here? She's down serving the babies. That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, you got, you got to stand up for both of them, Pop. Stand up. Let's honor them right now. As far as I'm concerned, and, and not just because they were wild enough to let a church plant start in their home, but because of how God has used them in my life personally, I can say... Uh, this church may not exist and, and may not uh, look like it does if it was not for Mike and Trish Taylor. So I'm real thankful for them. <clears throat> I knew you'd only stand up for about 2.5 seconds too. That's par for the course. Um, amen. So we started in a living room with 10 people. We had no outside funding. Uh, we had absolutely nothing. Like if you would have grabbed the top 10 books of the time on church planting, we had nothing, zero, that those books would say you're supposed to have in order to plant a church. None of it. And when I look back on that now, I realize it positions us perfectly to declare with no shred of false pretense or some kind of false humility today that God gets all the credit for the fact that this church even exists at all. Amen. As it should be. And that's a big part, not the only part. I'm going to show you some, I'm, we're going to, this is supposed to be a short sermon. It will, it will be. <laughs> I, I got into some stuff, man. I know, bro. But part of what that is, right, is, is God not wanting the altar itself to become the object of worship. Don't put your iron tools on it and make those rocks real pretty where you start to get confused about who or what we're worshiping. The altar represented the faithfulness of God. It's a physical reminder of a faithful God. But we sometimes have a tendency to get short-sighted and, and we'll worship altars instead of the God they're supposed to point us to. And so as a part of remembering today, we have a slideshow prepared uh, if you're newer around here, uh, this will be a bit of an enjoyable visual history lesson, I hope. Uh, if you've been around a while, the hope is that we can remember and rejoice together as we watch this. There you have it. I guess we're into parties more than I thought we were. That's a lot of parties in there. And a lot of outreach, a lot of baptisms, a lot of God's goodness over 10 years. Really thankful. That's right. There's one thing we do well, it's make babies in this church. 
<laughs> uh, probably didn't think that one through. Okay. Amen. All right, now will you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to tie this together, and I'm going to be short. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 together. Amen. It says this, Therefore, putting aside all malice, and just so you know, anytime it says therefore, now what it's talking about is in light of something that was just said. And I'm having an incredibly hard time not going into chapter 1 to read you all the awesome stuff that leads to this therefore. But it's, it's about our salvation. It's about trusting in Christ. It's about letting the love of God overtake us. It's all of that. So because of all of that, therefore, this is true. Putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him, that's Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieved, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may, why? Why did he do all that? So that you may Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you were, you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Praise God for his word. Now, as I thought about altars and I went and read all the occasions that God called for an altar to be built, I was thinking about that. And then this, this part that we read in Deuteronomy, it also says it in Exodus, this, this instruction about build an altar, but uncut stones. Don't put your iron tools on it. I started to think about that and I was praying like, Lord, why? What does that, what does that mean? I already shared part of it with you, but I think there's another part. This is just another way that the Lord hid an Easter egg in the Old Testament that was going to point us to what he was going to do in the New. Because remember what we said. What was the altar when they crossed the Jordan for? It was to commemorate, to cause people to remember and to rejoice and be thankful for where they had been 
And in the fulfillment of God's promise, his faithfulness, he told them hundreds of years before when he told Abraham, I'm going to give your people a land. For hundreds of years, through the whole time they were in Egypt, 400 years of slavery, they're clinging to this promise. Can you imagine that? That's a long time to be holding on to this word from God, this promise of God, that one day he's going to take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then the day is here, and what does God say to do about that? Your feet hit the other side of that Jordan, you get some uncut stones, don't carve them, and you make an altar. And that altar is for you to remember, for your children to remember, for your children's children to remember that when I'm a God that when I make promises, I keep them. That altar was to commemorate God's faithfulness through all of that time. God's promise to give them a land. Now Jesus comes on the scene and he makes a promise. He makes a big statement. What was his statement? He was going to, now he's going to build something. They were told in the Old Testament under the law, you guys go with your hands and gather uncut stones. You guys under the law build the altar. But Jesus comes on the scene and he starts talking about building something. He says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why does God not have each and every one of us today stop somewhere, go find some uncut stones and build an altar when we each cross into the promised land of salvation, which is ultimately, think about it, that's what the promised land ultimately was pointing forward to anyways. Salvation from slavery to Egypt is akin to salvation from slavery to sin. God set the whole thing up. You understand? Why today... When, why are we baptized in water instead of soon, as soon as someone comes to the saving knowledge of Christ, are we not running out looking for stones, the right shape to stack up into an altar? Why aren't we doing that? Why haven't you built a stone altar? Why haven't I? Because Jesus is building the altar for the fulfillment of this promise. Jesus now, you see what I'm talking about? Law, gospel. You got to do it. Jesus is going to do it. Now Jesus is the one that finds the stones. Where does he find stones? You and me. We are the stones, the ones who come to the knowledge and the understanding that they cannot save themselves. The ones that come to the end of themselves. The ones that come to a realization of their spiritual bankruptcy. The ones that come to this one point that every single person needs to come to. I can't save myself. I'm not good enough on my own. God is holy and I am not. And that's a problem. For every person that then looks to Christ, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, and sees in that the one hope that they have, that sees his offer to no longer strive and strain, try to build little altars of your own, but to let him take you and build something with you. And friends, today we are here celebrating the fulfillment of God's promise to build his church and the gates of hell not prevail against it. Amen. You are sitting in and you are a part of an altar that is a remembrance of God's faithfulness that should point us, look around you. Maybe it's been a minute since you thought you saw something that would help you be thankful, help you remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Well, just 
Turn your head on a swivel right now and look at all these living stones that he, our master, our king, the great builder, the cornerstone, has grabbed and placed together. And now it's not just an altar that you can burn burn offerings on and come eat next to and, and try to encounter God's presence in some way. Now God's building us into a house that we get to invite people into. You get to come be a part of this. This is a safe place for you to come and find out what you were really made for. Where joy is really going to be found. What love really is. Who this God that made you really is. All of it. Altar building. The church's existence, period. Broadly, this church's existence. It should all lead us to one conclusion. God himself deserves all the glory. Today is not a celebration of me or the leadership here or even you and your faithfulness. I'm thankful for all of that. Today is a celebration alone of the faithfulness of God. Amen. Because no church anywhere could exist without the sustaining grace of God. But I know for sure, I know all the particulars about this one. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, without the sustaining power and grace of God, this church would not be here. Without the sustaining power and grace of God, we would not have pictures of all those baptisms. There would not be 50,000 some people in the city of Cincinnati that have received a meal when they were hungry. Many of them prayed for, encouraged. All the outreaches that you saw flashing through on, on that slideshow, Everybody that was, a hand was placed on them, a prayer was prayed for them, a word of encouragement spoke to them. All of the ministry that's happened, all of the fruitfulness that may come, Jesus alone deserves the glory. He builds his church and the gates of hell have not thus far prevailed against it, and I don't see it happening anytime soon. What time is it? Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got, <laughs> I got more, but let, let me, I just got to say this, okay? Here's, so so he, he lays it out. We, we, as living stones, we're being built. The church is the New Testament altar. You understand what I'm saying? The church is the monument to God's faithfulness to his promises. Man! I'm so thankful to be a part of that. He's made me a part of of the message to the world that he keeps his promises. Because a little backwoods carpenter's son from Nazareth stood up in the the midst of a cultural context where there's emperors and there's power structures and it doesn't make any sense for him to be able to talk such a big game. For him to be able to say, I'm going to build my church and it's going to go on until I say it's done. Like, who is you, Jesus of Nazareth? Well, we found out. Who is he? Because we're here worshiping him today and there's a bunch of other people doing it too. He deserves that worship. Okay, I got to do this. That wasn't even what I started to say. Okay. So he says all that. Amen. And then he says this about it, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so as I think about that, 
here's, here's the bottom line. It, it would not be right or fitting for me to be the only one to be able to talk today about God's faithfulness, to be able to speak today about all that he has done. That wouldn't be right at all because what God has done here is, is not created uh, some kind of ruling class of ultra-Christians, pastors and leaders. He's created a, a chosen race, a holy priesthood. Every one of us are living stones. Every one of us have a part. He does. Jesus does take his tools and carve on us. And he makes us into just the exact shape to fit us in with the other stones to build a house that will not fall. Jesus does all that. But that means... I think it's only right and fitting for some of you to be able to speak to what God has done and to declare his faithfulness over these last 10 years. And so uh, we've, we've got one more video, and uh, it's an opportunity we gave for some of you to do that. And so let's watch that together. Amen to all of that. I'm not sure, <clears throat> you know, we wanted to give people the opportunity to share themselves, and so we asked for folks to do that, uh, you know, on their phones and stuff, and so I'm not sure, you may have missed some of that audio, but here's what I heard, and uh, that'll be posted, and we can, maybe if you hear it on smaller speakers without as much natural reverb, uh, we'll be able to hear it a little bit better, but here's some things I could hear really clearly. It seemed like a vast majority of people that said anything mentioned something about thankfulness for the purity of the gospel here among us. Uh, They mentioned thankfulness for a real sense of this being a representation, a faithful representation of the family of God and the reality of that. Uh, And I think those two things are really important. Uh, Dave Day also really likes all the food that we make, so that's good. (laughs) I'm happy about that. But I... I, I, the last thing I want to say is, is that <clears throat> it, it blesses me to a degree that I can't accurately articulate that when you, the, the membership, the congregation of the church, were given an opportunity to speak about what it is that stands out to you about the church, why you're thankful that you're here, that a faithfulness to the purity of the gospel and a sense that this is a real representation of the family of God rose to the top. Uh, that means God is pleased as a shepherd I'm happy and I just want you to know um, that's what we're going to keep doing amen and uh, you know today's festivities is not going to be used as an opportunity to take an offering for laser lights and a fog machine and uh, more hip, cool stuff to make this place rad. Um, This place is already rad, but it's rad because Jesus 2,000 years ago said he would build it, and he has. And I'm really thankful for that. And today is about honoring Christ. Today is about thanking God for his faithfulness. But I do also just want to say thank you to every one of you who has sweat and bled and sacrificed and been faithful and done your part to be a stone in this house that God has built. I'm really grateful. I'm really thankful. Uh, Let's keep preaching the gospel. Let's keep showing people what the family of God really looks like. Amen? Amen. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you 
for this day. Thank you uh, for a leadership team here that is not afraid to tell me when I'm wrong. Thank you uh, for your loving hand in my life and uh, for the fact that you chastise sons who you love. Um, Lord, I thank you that you do like parties with a purpose, and I thank you that by your sovereign hand, uh, you brought this day together. Thank you for the opportunity to stop and reflect, give thanks, and to praise you, uh, because you are very, very worthy of that. Lord, I thank you for every single person that has been a part of this church over the last 10 years. Some have moved, you've moved some on, there's people that we're here for a time and aren't now. There's people that have come here recently. There's people here that were here from the very first day. God, I thank you for all of them, every one of them, and for your ability to cut and to fit stones together into a house that declares your faithfulness to a world that needs to know you are faithful, to a, that declares that you keep your promises, to a world that needs to know you keep your promises. I thank you, Lord, for your plan, the church, for your purpose in the church, and for allowing us to be a part of it here. We love you and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give, or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.